Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast, where we share practical therapy tips and ideas for busy speech-language pathologists. Grab your favorite beverage and sit back as we dive into this week's episode. Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast. I am super excited today because we have Monica Lynn joining us. She's the newest addition to the SLP Now team, and we'll hopefully be recording many more podcasts together. But just a little bit of background on Monica, since you may or may not have met her yet. She is a lead SLP for a school district in Southern California, and she's just as nerdy and all about the research as I am. And she has a broad range of experience as an elementary school SLP, and she's focused a lot on literacy-based therapy, which we talk a lot about here, speech sound disorders, and then also functional social and language therapy. And so she's been a blast to work with, and I hope that you enjoy getting to meet her too. So our goal for today is to dive into all things narratives, and we'll start out just with a quick introduction of why we're even talking about narratives this month. Monica, do you want to jump in first and share a little bit of your experience? Yeah, sure. So I think that I really just love narratives because they're so closely connected with academic achievement and it's so functional. And it's just like when you're at a meeting and you're talking about goals and the teacher's like, no, that's perfect. That's exactly what we work on. And I feel like that's always what I'm going for. So definitely for that. And I also just love the complexity of it because it's just such a good functional, natural measure of where their language skills are at. And I feel like it also is a great way to add strengths in a report when you want to do that. You know, sometimes when you have all those like formal standardized scores and it's hard, it can be tough for some of those parents to read that. But then if you do narratives, you can really like highlight where their skills are at. Yeah. You can always find something that they're doing well with when it comes to narratives and communication and all of that. So yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's cool to just kind of piggybacking off of what you said it is incredibly educationally relevant and just across the curriculum, whether that's in the classroom, like retelling a story that they read or on the playground, telling their friends what they did over the weekend. If they can't structure a narrative to tell that funny story or talk about what they did with their friends over the weekend, then they're really going to struggle with those social connections. Or if there's an incident on the playground and they can't tell their side of the story, that can be really frustrating for the student as well. So empowering to build those skills that they can use educationally as well as socially is incredibly rewarding. And I love targeting narratives because I think we've established that it's a very meaningful context, but it also integrates a lot of different skills because we're producing sentences, which requires grammatically correct constructions and the use of vocabulary There's also like social language aspects. Like it's a really nice way to encompass a lot of different goals. And we can do some really discrete practice on the different sub skills that the students need support with and then build that into some really cool final products. So 
Hopefully you're on board with us too. <laughs> yeah. And you can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm just sitting here like nodding my head. And and it is. It's like a school SLPs, we're always thinking about like, where can we get that big bang for your buck and like narratives and putting that in part of your assessment definitely is that. Absolutely. Today, we are focusing a lot on assessment because we talked about why we want to target narratives in the first place. But how do we get started with them? Like what data do we want to collect? And the first thing that we'll be diving into are some formal assessment options. So I have used the test of narrative language quite a bit. So the TNL and the TNL is a test developed by Gillum and Pearson, and it's in the second edition now. So when I first started using it, it was in the first. So this is a formal assessment. It's a norm reference test, and it measures children's narrative language abilities. In other words, their ability to understand and tell stories. And there's a series of stories with a series of different tasks. So there's some retell involved. There's an opportunity for story generation. There's also some comprehension activities. And I really like this too. So I will piggyback the assessment. So I'll administer it as indicated by the manual and then get the standard score. But then I'll also record one or all of the retells and generations and all of that. And I'll do some additional analysis on that, which we'll talk about when we get to the informal assessment option. A lot of what we'll talk about is informal assessment. So this is a nice way to get some of those numbers, although we don't want to base all of our decisions off of a number, but that's a discussion for another day. (laughs) Then another tool that I've learned about is the Edmonton Narrative Norms Instrument. So this is the ENI, E-N-N-I, and it's another assessment tool and it's normed on children four to nine years old And it also uses a similar structure where they have illustrated pictures and then there's protocol to follow in terms of how we administer that. So it's similar to the TNL, but it only has local norms. So it was collected from 377 children in Edmonton, Canada. If you don't have access to the TNL, that can be a good option. And then if the normative sample doesn't match your students, it can also be a great additional tool to collect additional data. And it's all free to access. They have some really cool demos and all of that on their site. And then the next one is the Cubed. And so that's by Peterson and Spencer. And they, I think, relatively recently have the norms for that. And so the Cubed has two parts. One is the narrative language measures, and the other one is the dynamic decoding measures. And so I do the narrative language measures one. So that one is preschool to third grade. And you can use it as a progress monitoring one. So it has fall and winter. It has listening retail, comprehension, and personal generation. And I really like it because it has norms. You can do it either for the entire normative sample Or you can do it just for bilingual English-Spanish only. So like the school that I work at has a really large English-Spanish bilingual population. So I can make sure that I'm like comparing the norms to that. It can also be used to do a dynamic assessment if you want to do that. So you can do the first benchmark one and then you can do like a teaching part and then you can do the second one because we'll talk about one in a little bit. That's called the diamond. That one's grades one through six. So if you have preschool through third grade, 
that works really well for that. They also have free recorded webinars on their website, not for CEUs, but it's just cool to be able to have those webinars so you can see it and you can see how the assessment is done. And sometimes it's overwhelming to think about learning a new test to give, but it's got the videos there so you can see how that's done. Oh, that's awesome. And we'll link to more details for all of these assessments in the show notes so you can take a closer look and we'll make sure to make it super easy for you to find those free recorded webinars. And I think it'd be interesting to chat a little bit about how do we decide which formal assessment we want to use? Like we're going to dive into the informal assessments in the next segment here, but do you have any tips on how you decide, Monica? I think about the language that's used in the testing. Since I usually have younger kids, like if the language used in the testing they're not even going to be able to understand that. They won't understand what the story means. They won't understand what the directions are necessarily. I'm thinking about, is that actually going to test what I want? So first of all, and then if it's appropriate for them, so like the cubed has a lot more like they're skateboarding or they're going to the park. So it's a lot more relevant. So I like it. And I usually have younger students. So that's kind of like first how I'll do that. And then second, I'll look at the normed population. So is that relevant to my population? Do I feel like it's representative of them? So it'll be like a really accurate score for me to compare to them. But I think that's kind of where I start off. Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially with your population, because it sounds like you use the cubed most often because that normative sample, the other assessments, you wouldn't be able to use the scores because they don't match up. That's one thing that we mentioned about that any, like if we want to use the norms, we do have to consider that population and it still can give us really great information. I think all of these assessments, there's definitely quite a bit of overlap in how they're gathering samples and having us take a look at it and just the different samples and slightly different setup of tasks. So I think if you're wondering which one to use with your caseload, do consider like the normative samples and then take a look at the assessment and see which one you think would give you the most helpful information. And then, of course, if you really wanted to nerd out all of the sensitivities, specificity in there in the technical manuals, they're there for us. I was looking through some journal articles and one of those came up talking about how a lot of us, we don't look at those metrics as well. It'd be cool if we made a little cheat sheet just so it's easy to compare like these three assessments. We should totally do that. We should. We definitely okay. should. We're going to do that. That'll be in the show notes as well, just to give you like one additional resource to make it a little easier. And maybe we could just have like a little breakdown table that makes it even easier to compare. Anything else that we need to think about for the formal assessments? Probably just a general note, like especially for all those new clinicians out there, that your assessment should not stop at formal assessments, especially like in school. If your district requires that you have a score, some districts you have a little more give, but just think that more and more people are realizing that there is a wealth of information in informal assessments and it is well worth your time. Where formal assessments definitely important. It's important to get that number and have that score, but just know that it, it shouldn't stop there. I could not agree more, which is why we are going to talk about informal assessments and give you lots and lots of options to 
gather additional information to make that decision in the next segment. Thanks for listening to the SLP Now podcast. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through Speech Therapy PD. So yes, you can earn ASHA CEUs for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your SLP friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. See you next time. Thank you.